0: Hey, I love having kids in a gathering today. Even as we talk about, man, a savior that became an infant, right? This is a mystery beyond mysteries in so many different ways. And there was really a sense of chaos even there at the birth of Jesus to where all these different things were happening. And yet all eyes were focused on a baby, right? A baby who may have been crying, who maybe somebody was trying to preach a sermon and in the middle of it was like, I got to pee. All right, that's okay, right? Like, man, we see this chaos and the peace of God entering into the middle of it. So I love that, to have the kids even in here. And we really got to ask, okay, what made that reality possible, okay? Like, what made the birth, the story that we just read about, what made that reality possible? And we actually have to go back a little bit. And so that's what we're going to be covering today in a much shorter sermon this morning is really, Really what made the reality of Jesus possible? How is it that we could have had the Savior of the world born as a baby? And I want us, as adults, okay, with all the kids in here, to allow our minds to get a little bit of the mystery here, to feel the wonder of the gospel in a lot of ways. And so, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be covering in Matthew chapter 1 today. Uh, if you do not have a Bible, the ushers are actually coming forward now. And if you want to raise your hand, they would love to give you a Bible. Uh, if you do not own a Bible, Bible, would you please take and keep that? That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word uh, and to be able to use that during the week. You can also follow along in these ways that are up here on the screen. So you can use your phone if you want. There are different places where some of the notes will be and stuff like that. But we say this every week. If you're new, we want you to hear us, man. We want your eyes on the word, okay? We really do believe that God speaks to us in and through the scriptures, and we want to be able to hear from God even uh, as we are in the middle of the sermon. Man, sometimes God speaks to us in ways that that we're not ready for, uh, that is kind of in the middle of the text. And so we're gonna be in Matthew chapter one, we'll be in verses one through 17. And so feel free to turn over there uh, if you are following along in your Bible. And uh, as you're turning there, I know that some of you looked and you saw a list of a bunch of names and you thought, I came to a Christmas Eve gathering to read a genealogy? Yes, yes you did, all right? Uh, Because uh, this is uh, a fire genealogy, all right? That is also probably a statement that has never been said from a pulpit before. This genealogy is fire, all right? But it is. And so I want to look at Matthew chapter 1, and I want to read the whole thing, um, and then we're going to kind of chop it up a little bit. Hey, what made the birth of Jesus possible? Why does Matthew begin this mystery beyond mysteries here in a genealogy? So here we go. Read along with me. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to pick it up right there in verse 1. It says... The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah the father of Perez, and Zair by Tamar. And Perez the father of Hezron. And Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, And Aminadab the father of Nashon. And Nishon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam was the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram. And Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, and Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. And so all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Now, if you have been with us recently, we've been going through the book of Ruth, and in many ways, this is actually concluding the book of Ruth, because the book of Ruth ends with a genealogy that is pointing us toward King David, and really the need, God's provision of the nation for a king. They needed a king, and Ruth is saying, hey, a king was going to come. What Matthew does is Matthew actually picks up on Luke's genealogy, and he uh, transposes it here into his letter, and he's actually pointing us to the true and better king, to Jesus, the ultimate king, the king above all kings, the king that came from David-ham, David-ham, David, David, from Abraham. All right, all right, y'all got that, okay? And so there they were, right? And we even see it from Ruth, right? Our girl Ruth, which we've been studying recently. Here he comes through her line, our King Jesus. Now, there's several things that I want us to look at as to why this genealogy is truly fascinating, but before we get there, I think that most of us can agree that kind of where we came from is really, really important to us, right? Like, hence the popularity of the DNA tests and the tools that kinda show our family lineage or uh, the countries we came from. Like, we have this desire to know, hey, where did I come from? Like, who am I a descendant of? Where, where is my original nationality or country or whatever it may be? And people kinda love to know that. Or you love to know that your grandpa's mother was so-and-so's wife in World War I, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm related, right? And so we kinda long to know, hey, Here's where I came from. In fact, how many of y'all have taken a DNA test before? Just raise your hand. Raise it up. Okay? Raise your hand. Y'all are in church. Come on, y'all. Yeah, there we go, right? Okay, so probably about 20%. The other uh, 80% of you, that was your Christmas gift this year because Amazon had a sale for 60% off, all right? And so, like, we kind of long to know hey, where are we from? I took one uh, last year, I think, a year ago, and found out that I'm about 40% Dutch, about 10% British, and though there's one side of my family, and then about 25% Cameroonian, and then about 25% from other African countries, so Mali, or Togo, and Senegal, etc. right? And so I was kind of fascinated by that. I know that my sister-in-law is related to uh, Alexander Hamilton in a way, which is, that's really cool, right? Uh, my wife, Natalie, she's white, That's awesome, all right? That's really cool, okay? You knew that was coming. She knew that was coming, right? But hey, where you come from, it matters, right? Like, man, this matters to us. We want to know. And so if this is true for us, how much more is it true for the one that we call the Savior of the world? Right, like If we want to know, hey, here's where I come from, here's uh, my lineage, here's how God has orchestrated my history to land me here today, man, it's that much more with the Savior of the world. These aren't just a list of names, y'all. They're history in these names, and in each of these names, they all have a story. Some of them are unsung heroes that were walking in faithfulness whose names we may not recognize, but because of their faithfulness, they paved the way for the Savior of the world to be born. The other ones, they have some interesting stories behind them where God actually orchestrated redemption even though there was a lot of chaos in their lives at will. But all of them have this interesting history. They all have something to tell us. And so be careful not to read your Bible too fast, y'all, right? The Holy Spirit is not wasting his breath when he's pinning these words in here. And every single name is in there for a reason, as it is pointing us towards something greater, towards something truer. And so what do we see in Jesus' lineage? Well, Matthew actually said things that for our ears wouldn't have triggered anything, but for the early first century readers, it would have been jolting to kind of hear some of this. Firstly, did you notice that there were five women that were mentioned in this text? What the culture would have called gender outsiders at the time. See, in every other ancient genealogy, the women were never mentioned. For women in that culture were kind of second-class citizens in a way. There was not a lot of honor for women. And so in no other historic genealogy do you see this. But in the person that we call the most important person ever to be born, we see a list of women. Right, these names, and so we see immediately where the culture probably dishonored women. The Bible actually went out of its way to give weight and honor to women because we know that they are image bearers of God as well, being made in the Imago Day, having equal status with men. They are both image bearers, sons and daughters. God cares about both uh, utterly and fully, and so the Bible is trying to highlight: Hey, it wasn't just a bunch of men that made this birth possible. In fact, women made this birth possible. In fact. Oftentimes, we see in the scriptures that the women are even more faithful than the men, right? I, like, women didn't even shake their head at that. I thought they'd be like, yeah, for sure, right? <laughs> but you see that even at the resurrection. Who's there? Women. The women right? And so the Bible is trying to honor where the rest of the culture would spit on them. The Bible says, no, 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 no. there's honor in these women. And they would put them right in Jesus' genealogy. And the first century readers may have been like, you know what? There's women in here. We're not really going to pay that much attention to it. But the Bible doesn't care what the culture thinks. In fact, the Bible is, has been, and always will be countercultural. And it will always give honor to who the culture is trying to dishonor in a lot of ways. And so we see that even here uh, with the women, right? I could say more, but I don't want to get rebuked by the elders for going over my time limit. I would rather have a cheerful and jolly Christmas, all right? And so there's a lot there, okay? But the women in the culture would have been gender outsiders. What we also see, though, is we see non-Jews who the culture would have called racial or ethnic outsiders, right? We see people that were not in the Jewish lineage. In fact, minus Mary, all of the women that are actually mentioned are all racial outsiders. So in this lineage of Jesus, who is supposed to be a pure, a true Jew in a way, you have a lot of non-Jews, right? You have Canaanites, Rahab. You have Moabites, uh, Ruth, right? You have Hittites and uh, many other different peoples and cultures and nations that are represented in the genealogy of Jesus. This is Matthew who's actually writing to the Jewish audience saying, hey, there's actually a lot of non-Jews in this most important person ever, right? There's a lot of ethnic outsiders. In fact, each of these nations that I just mentioned were actually enemies of Israel in a way, and yet God had a plan to bring redemption into their life as well because God told Abraham, the first person we read about in this genealogy, that he was to be a blessing to the nations, that he was to be one who would bring about blessing to all of the nations around them. And so sin entered in and tried to leave us in our ethnic or cultural boundaries and the Jews began to try to isolate and yet where sin was trying to isolate, God was bringing in redemption anyway, literally bringing ethnic outsiders into the very genealogy of God, for where sin tries to distort, our God will always overcome sin. Always. He will always overcome sin. And so we see that people trying to kind of cast out, and yet in the genealogy of Jesus, we see ethnic outsiders. The Jews would have been a little bit appalled at this, but once again, the Bible's like, hey, this is the reality here. Right We see God literally bringing about redemption of the world in fact, the Moabites, Ruth, if you've been with us, the story we just read, the Moabites weren't even allowed to enter into the tabernacle of God, which is where the the presence of God dwelt in the Old Testament and so rather than trying to change something or whatever, God decided to literally tabernacle amongst them as He was born through Ruth through David, here comes the Messiah Jesus, so where they weren't allowed in, God instead just stepped in anyway, and he made it. His presence amongst them, we see God literally always working redemption for the people of God. And so we see women, we see Gentiles, and yet even more, we see a lot of uh, promiscuity in Jesus's lineage, immorality, okay? We see gender outsiders, we see ethnic outsiders, and we see moral outsiders in a way, right? Rahab was a prostitute, right? Sorry, parents, have fun explaining that later, Okay. Tamar, right, had an incestuous relationship. Bathsheba was another man's wife from whom David had absolutely no regard for whatsoever. And so in the fact, the Bible goes out of its way to honor Uriah here, right, saying, hey, Solomon was actually another person's uh, 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 father, really, Uriah, right? And so we see murderers, adulterers, foolish men, some risque women, gender, racial, moral outsiders, why are these people in Jesus' genealogy? Okay? Like, think about that for a second. Why are these people actually in the genealogy of Jesus? I would argue it's because so many of them experience the grace of God that actually changes lives. Right? They were entered into the story of God. And so, although perfection does not run in Jesus' lineage, grace does. And this is important for us because none of us are perfect and yet we want to enter into the lineage of Jesus, which means we need grace to run in our lives as well. Amen? And so this is what we see in here. Matthew is being clear from the very start of his, bio, or of, of his uh, account of Jesus, right, that it doesn't really matter who you are. Jesus can be your Messiah. Jesus can be your Lord. Jesus can be your King. He wants to be your King, actually. And he has made that way possible. And so are you honorable? Are you morally upright like maybe Abraham or Hezekiah? Well, listen, they're in this lineage too. Jesus wants to be your king. Or maybe you're an outcast, an outsider. Maybe you feel like ethnically you've been pushed down some. Or maybe you feel like, hey, my gender has kind of kept me out of the circle. Or maybe you just don't feel good enough. You feel like you are a moral outsider. Well, hello, right? They're all up in the lineage of Jesus, y'all. All up in it right? And we see this immediately. And so maybe you feel like you've done too many bad things for the grace of God to enter into your life, but have you ever tricked your father into sleeping with you because of how bad you wanted a child? Oh, okay, cool. So y'all are a lot better than some of these people, right? And because Tori loves the kids, I ain't even going to go into all the other stuff that's in here, right? But man, the Bible is filled with all of these crazy stories of God's grace entering into broken relationships and literally bringing them into the story of God and redeeming them. This is what God wants to do in our lives. This is the very reason why Jesus was born. That he may enter into the middle of this right that god wants to forgive you no matter where you are at and if you humble yourself before the king give yourself over to the king confess and say god i need you i want you in my life god wants to bring you into the story of god this is all of the people that we see up in here and this is good news for dudes like me right this is good news that the savior was born who wants to bring redemption In these names, what he's showing us is that God wants to uh, interrupt and enter into the story of our lives and then literally intersect it and redeem it and to actually bring you into his story. See, our stories aren't meant to be by themselves. They're actually meant to be interwoven into the story of redemption, into the story of eternity. And God wants to interrupt within that just as he did for so many of these names here. Like, think about it, y'all. Jesus could have orchestrated humanity where he came from a lineage that had very, very few scars or stains in it, right? Like, they could have all been generally moral, like Josiah or Ruth, but that would have signaled the wrong message, wouldn't it? Jesus doesn't work through perfection often. Instead, he works through brokenness, and then he takes our brokenness, and he turns it into perfection, because our God is dope like that, y'all, right? Right? Y'all also didn't think you'd hear that God is dope this sermon, did you? But he is, right? Our God is powerful, and he's good, and he wants to take whatever brokenness we may feel like and literally turn it into perfection as he works redemption in our lives. This is what the Christmas story is about. Jesus enters into the mess and turns it into majesty, y'all. He wants to enter into your mess and turn it into majesty, And for some of us, we know, we believe he's actually done that and is doing that right now in our lives. This is the power of Christmas. The very uh, misconception of Christianity that you have to have it all together before you can come into a relationship with God is debunked in Jesus' very lineage, y'all. Most of these people ain't have much together, right? And yet Jesus is working redemption. If we are humble, we can uh, allow God to use us. And in fact, all of these names not only were redeemed, but then they had a part to play in bringing about redemption through the world for other people, for they were the father of blank, the father of blank. And we literally see God interrupting their lives, redeeming them by grace, and then using them to bring about more grace to the world around us. This is what God wants to do in our lives, y'all. This is what the Christmas story is about in a lot of ways. And so there's so many other things in this genealogy we don't have time for this morning, like the 14, 14, 14, that's pretty fire, right? Or the deportation to Babylon, or, man, if you want to look up some other things, feel free to do that. There's a lot of other names even, but what we see very clearly in Matthew's genealogy is that there is no other king like King Jesus. There is no other king like this man. He was born into the midst of brokenness that he may redeem it, friends. And we see that each person God is powerfully working to be their king, that he might bring about redemption through the world. Matthew, or Matthew starts with Abraham because he shows God is a God who fulfills his promise. He promised he would bring redemption to the world. In fact, he started it in Genesis 3 where the first sin happened. And then he brought about redemption and it was culminated and highlighted. The pinnacle moment was when this God-man became flesh and became an infant, a child, birthed among us, that redemption might come into this world. This is a beautiful story. And so here comes Jesus, the true king, that rules, not by just snatching and taking things that that, uh, aren't his or people aren't ready to give over. No. Jesus actually surrenders everything that's actually his, heaven itself, and becomes nothing, right? Becomes a child, empty, broken. He considered his life nothing, Philippians 2 says. He laid down his life to the point of death on the cross that we might find redemption, And so all of these names in here, they have highs and lows and and ups and downs. And many of them are probably waiting, kind of wondering, man, does my life mean anything? Is God using me? What is happening here? But God was using them to bring about the Savior of the world. And we too, family, we too, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we don't have to wonder if our life is valuable because literally we can be used to bring about the Savior of the world again. He's coming back, y'all. This advent that we were waiting for isn't just because the first coming, he's gonna come again and make all things right, the scriptures say. And this is what we are even waiting for and our lives can intersect with Jesus's and we can be used to literally change eternity to bring about redemption to mankind. Because of this man, Jesus, who at the cross died for our sins, he literally faced the wrath of God so that what should have separated us from God may not anymore. In fact, this man who is actually the one true son was treated like a sinner so that we who are sinners may enter into the lineage of God being called sons and daughters of the most high God. We can enter into this lineage too, friends. This is what the Bible offers us. And so I pray that would be true for us today. If you do not know who Jesus is, man, the Bible is so clear. It wants to be God, the father of Jesus, Jesus, the father of you. He wants to intersect your life and enter into the lineage of God, that he may use you and you may be won over for eternity, praising his name forever. And if you have given your life over to Jesus, if you are a son or daughter of God, then man, realize you may be being used to prepare for the coming Christ again, right? You may be being used to really bring about redemption. God was born on earth that he may redeem our lives and also use our lives for the sake of his glory, amen? And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. And so I pray that the wonder and the majesty of Christmas wouldn't be lost on us, right? That we would be like children again as they're playing and having fun and the parents are like, shh, shh, no, 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 it's good, it's okay, right? Man, God wants to bring about redemption, y'all, and he wants to use you to do it. Are you a son or daughter of God? If not, he invites you in to his lineage, and if yes, he wants to use you. I love you guys so much. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you, the baby, Turned man, turned cross bearing Savior, turned resurrected and eternal hero and Lord, that you brought about redemption in our lives. God, I pray for those of us who do not know you, would you help us to enter into that relationship with you? Would you make us sons or daughters? Friends, if you do not know Jesus, the offer is here. It says, Come into the family. Once again, Jesus was treated like he was not a son so that you may be called a son forever. Would this reality be true? For those of us who do know, man, Father, would you help us to have wonder this year? As we open gifts in the next couple of days, as we sing these songs even today, would you remind us of the beauty and the reality of what you have done for us, Christ? Would we celebrate Christmas <laughs> truly? We love you, Father. We praise in your beautiful name. Amen.